Welcome to a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraum. How are you doing for today's show, Seth? I'm good. All right. Uh, this week's episode is sponsored by Wolfbox, a leading brand in the automotive electronics market with an unvarying commitment to quality and durability for its customer around the world. We're going to have a little bit more to say about them later on the show. Stay tuned for that. But thanks to Wolfbox uh, for sponsoring this week's episode of the Electric Podcast. On this week's episode, we're going to have a little bit of uh, Tesla news as usual, uh, but then we're going to talk about our first drive of the Porsche Macan EV. Uh, Seth had, uh, did that last month, I think, and then you... It was actually big, in October. In October, all the way back in October, so there was a big embargo on this, so now we can finally discuss everything about the Macan EV, which itself has been delayed quite a few times. We're... I uh, can't wait to see that car hit the market. It's going to be a big one for Porsche. Then we also had the first drive of the Chevy Blazer EV that uh, our, our own Jameson Dow did um, uh, earlier this month. He's going to be joining us on the show later to talk about it. But let's uh, jump into the Tesla news right away. So one of the big, bigger pieces of news that, that came out this week is the, uh, the old autopilot recall safety recall i'm using air quote here if you're just listening uh, because people don't like to use the word recall for tesla recalls because most of the time like like this time it's um it's just an over the over the air software update that is being implemented but this is still a bigger recall because it's the hopefully the conclusion of the big nitsa investigation into uh, autopilot even though more specifically into Autopilot, the Tesla vehicles using autopilot and crashing into emergency vehicles that are stationary on the side of the road uh, or, or on the road, actually. Uh, so there were like 11 crashes that added up over time and it's uh, investigated why it's happening. I mean, the emergency vehicle thing was kind of a, I don't know why they added that. Like the real thing is like the problem with stationary vehicle on the road that for some reason, Autopilot doesn't detect or doesn't uh, break for, doesn't try to avoid them and just ram into it. At the core of it, it was always clear to us, we're regular autopilot user, that this is at the core a user error. Like most of the time you have time to react and technically the way that autopilot is framed is that the driver is responsible. You should be paying attention at all times and you, you, you when you, you see that the autopilot is not slowing down for it, you are the one that's responsible for reacting. However, there's also the other side of things that why Tesla doesn't detect those things and doesn't react to those things. That's definitely a product error. There's no doubt about that. But um, in terms of actual defect, NHTSA kind of sided with Tesla on that side of things that this is a user error, but they still decided to push for a recall. So that's a big news this week because they feel like Tesla is not doing enough uh, to make the driver pay attention and, and, or, and or react on time. Uh, so this is, this is the core of the news this week. Uh, so they did issue a safety recall uh, on 2 million vehicles, which is about the n- number of vehicles in North America that uh, have... Uh, uh, autopilot, one one version of autopilot. Obviously, there's been three versions since the launch. So that's about 2 million vehicles. Uh, so in the safety recall, Tesla kind of explained what they, they do to um, for the fix. 
so it, again, just a software update. Um, they, they, they say in the defect too that there's always the chronology of the uh, recall in the uh, in the defect notice that they call it. And in there, they say like all the way back when it's uh, announced that they were doing the uh, the investigation. And later on, they explain, okay, we had our discussions with NHTSA. And then later, Tesla says that it doesn't agree the, with the conclusion of NHTSA, uh, but they are reluctantly uh, doing the voluntary, call it a voluntary recall, but <laughs> even though they, they feel, it feel forced, but uh, voluntary recall. And what they basically, uh, it, it was like a compromise, if you will, with NHTSA, that it's going to be more alerts, more warnings, and more programs to make sure that uh, people are paying attention, including uh, new punishment. If you're not paying attention, if you're getting forced recall, uh, forced disengagement, you uh, are going to be suspended. Uh, so that's what Tesla announced in the safety recall. But what we just learned today, just a few hours ago, because Tesla started to push the update and uh, we obtained the um, release notes thanks to not a Tesla app which tracks Tesla software updates we get the actual release notes now I haven't seen the update just yet I haven't used it I haven't seen anyone used it so this is more details on what this is actually implementing but it's not exactly clear so let's read them together just to be clear uh, so because this is pushing to every car out there this is this is going to be the new way that autopilot works in every Tesla vehicle in North America uh, so one, improve visibility of driver monitoring warning alerts on the touchscreen by increasing the text size and moving the notification to a more prominent position, Model 3 and Model Y only. Um, yeah, because Model 3 and Model Y only, obviously, because Model S, I think it's already, Model S and X, it's already pretty clear uh, because you have the instrument cluster in front of you, so you have the alerts in front of you. Model 3 and Y, it's on the center display, a bit more difficult. More specifically, the alerts come uh, at the bottom of the left side of the display. Plus, if you're not picking it up right away, you have a flashing red light at the top until you get like the beep, 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 beep alert. Uh, now, I would assume that now that the that text that comes at the bottom is going to be bigger, probably higher up a little bit. That makes sense. I don't think that's going to be a big issue. I don't think most people won't uh, uh, be calling that like, oh, this is too much nagging. Next one. Added option to activate autopilot features with a single start depression instead of two to help simplify activation and disengagement. This is actually something that Tesla pushed a few weeks ago that pre-recall, so I'm not even sure why. I, I guess that Tesla pushed that a few weeks ago based on the NHTSA discussion, like it was part of the deal with NHTSA, but now, so now they're including it, but it's already in Tesla vehicles now. Um, all right, this one is the one that we need to see how it's being implemented because this one might be an actual like increase of the nag. Increase the strictness of driver intensiveness. That's a tough word for me. Driver intensiveness requirements when using auto steer and approaching traffic lights and stop sign off highway. Uh, so traffic light and stop sign off highway. This is more like if it's the better. It sounds like, but anyway. This one, I don't think it's going to be that much of a problem, but driver intensiveness requirement when using auto steer, this one is uh, the biggest one because this auto steer is autopilot, basically, the main feature of autopilot. And um, increase the strictness, we just don't know what that means. So, But it particularly relates to uh, the driver motoring 
uh, driver attentiveness specifically. So that has to be either the alerts that you get, the frequency of alerts, uh, the at which level, because Tesla changed the frequency of when you get the alerts based on the speed uh, that you're driving at. So if you're driving now at a higher speed, maybe you're gonna get like alerts every like 10 seconds instead of the early 30 seconds if you're not if the Tesla doesn't detect your hands on the wheels. So that that one could be a true increase in so-called autopilot nags. And um, it could be annoying because of Tesla's problem of not being able to detect hands-on wheels and just detecting the torque on it. So you might have to just wiggle the wheel a lot more often, and that's annoying as hell. Um, I'm hoping that this is more about the cabin-facing camera. Because the cabin-facing camera has been pretty good for me. Like when I'm not when I'm looking at my screen or instead of the road, when I'm looking on the side instead of looking in front, it detects it pretty quick and send me an alert. And I, I like those alerts. Those alerts are actually um, useful. Now, if it's the hands-on wheels, I'm not on board with that. That's going to be annoying. The next one is introduce a suspension policy that will restrict auto steer usage for one week if improper usage is detected. Improper usage is when you or another driver of your vehicle receive five forced autopilot disengagements. So this one, actually, I don't, I don't think that's a big deal either because obviously it sounds like extremely harsh, a one-week auto steer uh, suspension. Like it's it's one week is a lot. Like for one week, you're not allowed to use a feature that you paid for in your car. <laughs> it's kind of it sounds extreme, but um, getting five forced autopilot disengagement is is kind of a big deal. Like yeah, I think I've gotten one in like uh, like what four years and hundreds of miles of using it, hundreds of thousands of miles. I can probably count on one hand how many I've gotten. Yeah. Yeah. So so getting five, they don't say like over which period of time getting five though. Yeah, I don't know. So, like, if you're someone that tends to get them, or first of all, if you tend to get them a lot, like, you probably need to change your approach of all you use of the pilot. Like, this, it should be a pretty good indication that you're not you're doing something wrong, unless there's a problem with your system. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, these these are the four new policies that Tesla is including into the recall. Uh, that's going to be pushed to all Tesla vehicles that have autopilot, which is pretty much all of them, uh, in North America over the next few weeks. Um, so I, I, I need, I need, like, again, I need to see for the second point, uh, or the, no, the third point, I need to see it in action to be able to judge it. Otherwise, um, um, it's not, it's, I, I, I don't know how to think about this. Um, all right. Next piece of news is a cyber truck is like, uh, we've been tracking since the launch of the cyber truck, uh, an, an idea of the production. Obviously we don't have exact numbers or anything like that, but since there was a fear that Tesla would just launch a cyber truck and then not ramp up production right away like the Tesla Semi last year. We've been tracking it a little bit closer. And thanks to the, the, the several uh, drone pilots, specifically Joe Techmeyer, um, that are flying over Gigafactory Texas on the daily basis, basically, uh, we can get a pretty good idea of what's happening with Cybertruck production. And today, uh, Joe spotted basically 40 Cybertrucks um, on the on the Tesla Gigafactory Texas site. Uh, there was like 19 of them that were being clearly prepped for shipping. They were being outbound. Uh, a few more in the testing area and 15 of them were also parked on the south end of the factory, probably again, uh, awaiting preparation for uh, ship, shipping to, to customers. So this is, the, I mean, 40, uh, we don't know for over how many periods of times, uh, what, what period of times they were built. Um, but it's still a good number of trucks, 
that is um, that is being built, adding to Tesla sending a bunch of uh, uh, emails to reservation holders, letting them know that they are they can be ready for delivery soon, soon in uh, California and Texas, and next year they're going to expand to other states. So we, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we see in the hundreds of Cybertruck deliveries uh, by the end of the year. So I think that that's pretty it's pretty decent. It's not nothing major, but it's pretty decent. And then obviously the bulk of the ramp up is going to be throughout 2024, uh, aiming for volume production at a rate of 250,000 a year uh, at some point mid next year, I would assume. When do yeah, you think that pretty- they can reach a uh, thousand units a week? Uh, it's probably going to be mid next year, I would imagine. At least at mid the very next earliest. year, oh boy, a thousand a week. Yeah, I was thinking like late Q one. I mean, like it, these kind of seem like almost like the design intent vehicles. Like they don't see like when you're making you know a handful a day, it doesn't seem like those are going to be. It doesn't seem like they're they're like really you know ramping. So I, I feel like the ramp is going to happen Q1, and then they'll they'll start hitting those big numbers maybe in Q2. Yeah, well, that's fair. Well, I mean, a, a thousand a week, like it's like less than two hundred a day. I think. Right. I think it's. I think it's doable. Like, there's probably like a few bolt, like a handful of bottlenecks right now that are preventing just that. Like, so I think those are are fixable within a quarter. I would assume. Uh, maybe Tesla also like shuts down production uh, during the holidays and use that time to make some upgrades and things like that, and then comes back in January with higher production. I think things like that are very possible. I think. Right, and also Model Y. Uh, I think they're they're kind of slowing down on that. They probably don't need to go full throttle on that right now. Yeah, I mean, these. I think these switch since they they switch the production of the Model Y in Texas to the non forty six eighty cells to focus right. forty six eighty cells Cybertruck, so that changed things up a little bit. Uh, we learned of Tesla partnering with Uber to sell their vehicles directly to drivers through something that I didn't know existed: the uh, Uber Marketplace, vehicle marketplace. So they have this platform where they offer vehicles directly to drivers with discounts with partners. And Tesla is a new partner for Model 3 and Model Y with discounts up to $3,000 uh, on um, inventory Model 3 and Model Y. And what's interesting is that the discounts are based on uh, the level of the driver, whether it's a blue, gold, platinum, or diamond drivers, with diamond drivers obviously getting the higher discounts at $3,000 off their purchase. Um, so Seth and I were discussing this, like where... Do we think that Tesla is doing the full discount? Of Uber is doing the full discount, and I'm thinking that Uber is actually contributing for that discount because, so if I'm listening correctly, when you bought your Bolt TV, you used that program, right? That's right. And you had to become a Uber driver to use that program. That's right. But you never had, you never actually did a Uber drive. That's right. All right. So, and you were still able to use that program. You just sign up to be Uber driver online, takes a few minutes, whenever it's done. In this case, they had the requirements of to complete a hundred trips before February 15th. So I think both Tesla is contributing to this because one of the requirements is that the Tesla vehicle is being delivered during December 23. That's a weird way to phrase it, like by the end of the, of the month, basically. So obviously Tesla is trying to deliver as many cars by the end of the month to hit a new record number and deliver on the 1.8 million guidance for the year. 
But then it was not the complete 100 trips. So if Uber is hiding that requirement, Tesla obviously doesn't care what you do with the car once you have the car. Uh, but Uber cares, uh, if, especially if they are subsidizing it. So they're like, all right, you have to do 100 trips by February 15. Otherwise, you don't, you, you cannot uh, take advantage of that discount. So I think both Tesla and, you, and Uber are, are participating in this, which is, which is pretty cool. Uh, obviously, there already are plenty of Tesla vehicles on the Uber network, thanks to the Hertz deal uh, that uh, brought 50,000 vehicles to uh, the Uber fleet, uh, Model 3, Model Y. All right, we, we got some bad news for Tesla on the tax credit front this week. So we already knew uh, Tesla signaled us that they were losing half of the tax credit starting next year on the Model 3 rear-wheel drive and Model 3 long range. Um, but uh, this week, they actually announced that now they expect to lose the full tax credit on those two trims. So we had uh, we had a lot of uh, a lot of companies that have been just like digesting the, these latest guidance uh, and rules from the IRS regarding the the updated requirements for battery materials and components in um, in, in the, the updated tax credit system next year. And they were like trying to figure out like, you know, how it's going to affect yourself. We know last week we talked about the Model 3s and the Mac Key, you know, Ford Mac Key, that also uh, seeing its tax credit reduced. And But it looks like they were still interpreting the, the laws and the updated guidances. And now they believe that the full tax credit is going away. We assume that it has to do with uh, these models using uh, the LFP uh, battery cells from China. That, that is at least our assumption. But then what we learned just a few days later is that the Model Y is also going to lose the full 7500 tax credit. It's going to be likely reduction. So Tesla is not going as many details as the Model 3, but in the configurator, they hide a note that says that reduction is likely after December 31st. They do not even mention which model. We assume that it's the base model, the new Model Y rear-wheel drive. But the thing is we... We never were able to conf confirm that the model, the model Y rear-wheel drive use LFP cells uh, in the U.S. We know that in, in China it does, uh, but in the U.S. The, the, the user manual is still mentioned charging up to 80%, which normally says normally doesn't say that when it's LFP cells. So this points to um, to regular NCA uh, cells, but at the same time, uh, some. Tesla owners were buying the vehicle and asking Tesla or getting mixed signal from some Tesla people says they have LFP cells, some people don't. So it's like a very confusing idea. Obviously, Tesla has moved away from letting people know what kind of battery they're getting for a few years now, which is kind of a dumb strategy, if you will. Like, you're, you're buying the car. Let me know what's in my car. Like, it's just right, exactly. <laughs> Such a, a weird approach. A label. And, and we've always wondered, like, all this year, how Tesla was getting the full tax credit on the LFP model threes. Like no. that doesn't make sense. Those batteries are coming from China as like, there's no LFP batteries being built in the U S as far as we know. Not so, yet, not in volume at least. Yeah. yeah so like, weird. I mean, I assume that the government maybe like gave some relax for the first year. Uh, but I mean, there was already some relax because of the, the, the rules were set that they increased the percentage of materials that are coming from America needs to increase every year. Uh, so there was already like, but probably there was some exemption on top of it for the first year, I assume. They just don't talk about it much. Yeah, it's weird. All right, last piece of news before we um, talk about uh, 
the Porsche Macan EV and the Chevy Blazer. Uh, but um, the some Gigafactory Mexico news. So Gigafactory Mexico is basically on hold from Tesla the last time we heard. Um, it was supposed to come in super fast after the announcement in March, but we haven't heard much. And then Elon finally confirmed that uh, they are basically putting it on hold. They're still ordering some long lead items that uh, they need for production. But in terms of breaking ground, they are not breaking ground until they decide uh, that the, uh, the the economy is recovering. Like they don't they don't see that just yet. They want to make sure that the economy is going the right way before investing in that. Especially since they already they still have room in Texas. Okay, for Texas to to expand if they need to, so they don't have to make that big investment early uh, in Mexico. But so that's on the Tesla side. On the Mexican side of things, they've been <laughs> they've been going moving forward. So uh, last month we learned that. Uh, uh, Tesla has secured all the permits to start construction, so it's completely on Tesla's side to start construction. Today, what we learn is that the uh, uh, Nuevo Leon Nuevo Leon government has approved an incentive package for Tesla to build in Gateway, Mexico. So that includes um, it's basically valued at 153 million dollars. Uh, it's it includes investment in local infrastructure, um, investment in, in um, so that includes like water and roads and things like that, and also a reduction in the payroll tax. So these two together adds up to 153 million dollars, uh, which is pretty good deal for the states because we know that there, there's been other states that offered a lot more. Uh, but uh, the uh, Tesla is investing 4.5 million billion with a B uh, in there, uh, creating about 4.5 thousand jobs. And directly, indirectly, it's going to be a much more like the, the government talked about 30 suppliers that are, come, are already there or coming to the region uh, in order to uh, supply Tesla. So it's going to be a big job creation for uh, for the region of uh, Monterrey, Nuevo Leon, Mexico. Um, all right. Let's talk a little bit about our sponsor, Wolfbox. All right. Today's episode is sponsored by Wolfbox, a leading brand in the automotive electronics market with an unwavering commitment to quality and durability for its customers around the world. The team at Wolfbox believes that driving is oftentimes more than just a means of transportation. It can be an adventure waiting to unfold, and the company wants you your trusted companion during those journeys. Wolfbox sells a series of smart dash cams and other vehicle accessories in addition to a perfect fit floor mats through a partnership with 3W Liners. For EV drivers, Wolfbox currently offers level two home charger with adjustable current, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and plug-in charge capabilities. Whether you prefer to connect to your home, to your home via Nemo plug or hardware directly into your existing system, Wolfbox's indoor-outdoor EV charger is compatible with all J1772 plugs and empowers drivers to schedule and monitor their home charge session from anywhere using their smartphones. Save 30% off on your Wolfbox Level 2 EV charger on the company's Amazon store for a limited time. Learn more at wolfbox.com. A big thanks to Wolfbox for sponsoring. Yes, thank you, Wolfbox. All right, we have uh, a few more news items, and then we're going to discuss your... your um questions so if you guys have any questions for us you can put it in the comment section right now on the bottom of your screen we're live on youtube linkedin um facebook we're even getting uh i don't think we can take questions for facebook anymore right is that the, the one that's bugging out for some reason uh no we just got one i think oh, oh wait yeah? no maybe no, so that's LinkedIn. Well, we, th there was some before but we're actually getting twitter comments yeah twitter now. is new 
Twitter where we can take questions from Twitter now, which is nice. Um, and then also we and then we have Jamie that's waiting in the wings that's going to come in to talk about his uh, his uh, review or his first drive of the Chevy Blazer EV. So uh, one of the new GM Altium electric vehicles that we are uh, excited about. So we're going to talk about that in a moment. But first off, we're going to talk about something that we've been waiting to talk for a long time: the Porsche Macan Porsche Macan EV. Take it away. Sir. Yeah. So so this this uh, actually happened in October. So. You know, I barely remember any of this stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know uh, it happened the same uh, time period that the uh, Volvo EX30 happened. I was in Europe for that, and I, you know, went from Barcelona to Germany for one after the other. So that's how long ago this this actually happened, which is, you know, a little frustrating because we like to talk about things fresh in our heads. But as far as I remember. Um, the uh, drive was pretty pretty cool. Like the the vehicles are great. Like the you know Porsche just makes fantastic vehicles and they make fa fantastic EVs. Unfortunately, uh, we didn't get to drive the uh, Macan. Like we got to sit shotgun while uh, engineers who knew a lot about the vehicles uh, drove us around the track, which was like you know white knuckle holding on to you know the handles. By the way, uh, you know. This thing is really late. Like they expected it at least a year and a half ago. Um, and there's like an Audi version of this that's also super late and it's gonna not coming out until next year. So um the Macan is a you know kind of a compact uh SUV, uh, but it's a Porsche, so it's absurdly fast and it handles really well on the on the track. Um the interior, we didn't even get to look at the interior, it had like curtains all over everything. Oh really? So yeah, so it was it was really frustrating because I was like, you know, can I talk about like you know where the handles are to hold on to, and they were like, well, you can talk about this, but you can't talk about that. You can talk about this, but you can't talk about that. I'm like, uh, this is just you know like kind of a a minefield. I mean, look at the car; it's it's a gorgeous car. It, but it, even even that, even the interior, the exterior right there uh, is there's no added like camouflage on this. There was no camouflage, but they only had black ones. Okay. Which I thought was weird. Yeah, because there's some there's some pieces that I feel weird about, but it looks cool. It looks cool. Yeah, it, it's a great looking vehicle. Um, they have you know three different tire models, typical for Porsche. Um, they're you know wheel sizes. Uh, they have you know softer wheels. They have like racing wheels. Um, and it's you know it's quite fast. It's like you know mid three seconds, zero to sixty. So it's it's you know, what you would expect from a Porsche, even though it's an SUV form factor. Um, one, one nice thing, uh, we got to drill deep on like the charging aspect. Um, it's still 270 uh, kilowatts, but uh, Porsche's battery engineers got the charging curve to be best in class. And we were like, compared to what? And they were like, we can't tell you. And we're like, okay, like, Competitor one, competitor two, competitor three. Yeah, do we have to guess now. Which for those who are just listening, we're seeing like a bunch of charging uh, session curves here. But uh, we have the PPE platform, but the rest is all just name of the competitor, not not the name of competitor, right. but just call competitor one, two, three, and four. Right. So we don't know uh, who who they're comparing to, and if they missed anybody. But it it does charge quite fast, um, and you know, like at a Tesla uh, Magic Dock charger, uh, it'll charge. Um, you know, 400 volts, it'll charge quite fast as well. It splits the, uh, it makes each side of the battery pack charge at 400 volts, even though it's an 800 volt system. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it can actually charge fast at, at either type of charger, 400 or, or 800 volts. Um, and it can go zero to zero or sorry, 10% to 80% state of charge, which is, I think, 200, 200 something miles, uh, in, in just over 20 minutes, which is pretty solid. Like that's kind of, you know, top, top spec right now. At optimum temperature um, though, 23 C. So yeah. And, yeah, I mean, the way you look at this graph, and we're we're looking at a graph on the screen, um, you know, anywhere between fifteen and and forty degrees Celsius, you're going to get a pretty you know under twenty five minute charge. Uh, so that's I think that's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got to see, you know, we got to talk about charging a lot. We got to uh, see the you know internals of the car. They had a really cool Oculus three uh, uh, demo where like people are walking around a room, like looking underneath the car hood and all kinds of stuff. But of course we can't show you that. And we can't, you know, there's no visual representation. Even if we could take pictures, you can't take pictures of VR really. So, mm-hmm. um, but they use the battery technology. They've, they've revamped, uh, the navigation system, uh, in Europe, there's so many more, uh, fast chargers. So like it basically figures out 10 different ways you can get to your destination and, and the fastest way and the, you know, whatever the ways that are at good restaurants and, and all that stuff. So <laughs> they've worked on that quite a bit, but the main thing, any Porsche, uh, is the track and this thing is absurd on the track. Um, you know, I think things that would have flipped most cars, uh, these guys were taking, taking them so fast. And this was the only footage I was allowed to get, and I only got it because I was just hanging out outside, you know, after the event. So, uh, you know, they provided a bunch of, you know, B-roll for us, but it was all just very generic and stuff. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know what to t- tell you about this because, like, the car is obviously very good. It's obviously way behind schedule and not complete, you know, at this this time period. It's a 2024 car, so it's going to come out at some point next year, mm-hmm. uh, probably earlier. It's a, like the parts that we got to, to, to drive were fantastic. Um, they even, they had an off-road thing. Uh, if you scroll down a little bit that, you know, take us through like a little river and stuff, but the Porsche's off-road track was just, it was, it, it felt like somebody's backyard. It was very, <laughs> very basic. Um, I mean, you know, it's Porsche. Who, who takes a Porsche not... off-road? <laughs> right. Right. So that's that, I guess that's the point. Um, mm-hmm. it was, it was just, a little bit silly i guess like hey you're driving your porsche suv and you know you hit a flood well, that's a, you some to... decent water on this one like... yeah it's like a foot a little mm-hmm. over a foot uh yeah i mean it's it's great it works fine um it just wasn't you know like a real suv you know like a range rover test where you're like going down in crevasses and, no, no, or rivian sure. or but did, did it tell you why it's been delayed for so long i don't think we've never got a straight answer on that so yes, uh, they told us, of course, off the record, uh, there was issues with the software. Uh, they oh, they yeah, kind of pointed the finger. F- they pointed the finger at VW and their software group. Um, the, Porsche wants nothing to do with Volkswagen forever at this point because mm-hmm. of this. Um, and I think Audi's in the same boat. Uh, I think the PPE platform like was really ready a long time ago they just didn't have any software for it and frankly like the fact that they didn't let us you know use the 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 actual dashboard at all means it's still being worked on so mm-hmm. you know it's just quite frustrating that uh if you're watching uh the screen you see right now is the um 
the interior that we did not get to see. Um, it has three screens, kind of like a, the Mercedes, you know, like the passenger has a screen so they can watch like uh, Netflix and stuff. But um, we didn't get to see that in in real life. We got so to see like blend level of three uh, autonomous driving. Uh, no, Porsche is not a big autonomous driving. Uh, they'll do like traffic. Oh, okay, it's for the passenger. Control. Like, never mind. I had a brain fart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and actually, uh, you're, the driver cannot see that screen. It's yeah, it's yeah. like walled off or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, and, and we also got to see the Panamera, uh, hybrid at the same time. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, a 50 mile, uh, of, on battery. So, you know, they're cool, but like, man, just give me the keys, like, give me the keys and, you know, I'll be back in a day and I will have like a really good review of, of this thing. Mm-hmm. They were just like, we were on the shortest of leashes. We were there for like two days and we got like very little time behind the thing it was all just you know like you know these learning labs and and uh, just quite frustrating to go all the way to germany and get such a little amount of information Mm -hmm. but i think it's gonna be a great car so hopefully we'll we'll have a a bigger it's uh, an important car for porsche because the macan on the uh, gasoline side of things is the best-selling uh vehicle for, for for the lineup so the fact that i think it's the second best to the cayenne but yeah it's it's certainly up there mm-hmm. so we have jamie uh joining us for uh the chevy blazer ev hello hey jamie so you got to drive that thing up in san diego uh when was that a few weeks ago uh yeah uh two weeks ago now something yeah. like that all right so what did you think of this less. uh I like your headline because that I think that's one thing. When when we got all the details of the Blazer EV, the, the thing that we're like, oh, I don't know about that was was the pricing of the vehicle. So uh, maybe yeah. I don't know if you want to yeah. answer that the question of your headline right away. We want to get into the the first drive, but take it away. Yeah, well, it is. Uh, I mean, it's fifty six thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars. There will be future versions of it that are cheaper. Um, the, uh, uh, there's a rear wheel drive. Wait, is it the rear wheel drive? I'm so, there's so many configurations of this car that I forget which one. Yeah. I think it's one of the only vehicles that's got front wheel drive, rear wheel drive and all wheel drive options, three different options, which is awesome by the way. Like I actually do like that. They're giving so many options and configurations to everybody. Uh, not only in the the option stage when you're when you're building the car, but also like in the user interface, there's a lot of different customization you can do to the drive modes, which is really cool. Um, but you know we're starting at fifty six thousand right now, sixty thousand for the uh, RS version. There will soon be a even higher performance version, which we didn't get to try yet. Uh, That's the SS. Yeah, the SSPAWD, Performance AWD. And I don't know how much that's going to cost. And there will be a front-wheel drive LT, which is supposed to be under 50000 But they didn't specify exactly what the actual price will be on that. <clears throat> I think under $50,000, you are getting to the point where this could be doable. But 56000 is pretty hard to justify when you can look at the lyric the cadillac lyric which is a really nice car and spend you know eight hundred dollars more and get a base (laughs) model lyric you know yeah (laughs) it's it's really close in price um 
so I think that the pricing is really the the biggest issue with this car because otherwise it's uh you know it's a big SUV. Um, I don't particularly love big SUVs myself. I want it to be smaller, but uh, you know, I try to review this with the knowledge that people who are looking for big SUVs want a big SUV. And, um, you know, it's got plenty of cargo space. It's got plenty of headroom and legroom. The legroom in the back is actually, uh, amazing. Um, not as good as the FF 91, but (laughs) these are not quite in the same category. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's just a quick video of me sitting in the back seat with my, um, uh, you know, taking a video with my iPhone and my knees, I really had to slouch to get to the point where my knees were touching the, uh, mm-hmm. the seat. So, uh, now, is there going to be a third row version of this? Uh, they haven't said anything about a third row. I don't think there will be. Um, and frankly, I think that's fine. Um, you know, I feel like the third row would probably be pretty tight. Uh, if it did, um, end up having third row. Um, and then one big thing about this review that I was really interested in, and I don't know if, if anyone else is all that interested in, was the uh, the interface. Um, they got rid of Apple CarPlay, and this is the first uh, of their vehicles that you can, you know, the consumer can, can buy and try this new uh, non-CarPlay, the post-CarPlay GM uh, user experience. And it's actually pretty good, uh, surprisingly enough. I, I did not expect a big traditional auto company, uh, a a company as staid as GM uh, to make a really good user interface. And it's, it's good. I mean, it's not the best interface I've ever used, but it is more than uh, acceptable, uh, especially compared to everything else in traditional auto. I think I'd even prefer it to CarPlay, honestly. Yeah, they kind of had to, uh, right? <laughs> like, you yeah. you don't make a big move. Like, you go screw <laughs> screw CarPlay and then come out with the shittiest software ever. Like, yeah, I, I was kind yeah. of expecting that it would be at least okay. Uh, but I'm glad yeah, but you, you never know because yeah. if you compare to everything else yeah. on the market, everything else is just terrible. Yeah, you know, especially the German. Yeah, like, <laughs> the, the BMW yeah. and all that. Like, I can't stand it. It's it's just impossibly bad, and uh, what I like to say is that uh, all of those interfaces are made by the best software engineers in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like you're not. I mean, if you're to good... be fair, this is Android, really. I mean, this right. is Google, Google Google engineers are doing most of the legwork on this, mm-hmm. right? So Google Google uh, is uh, a large part of this, um, but GM did hire uh, the head of cloud engineering from Apple. Uh, the former VP of cloud engineering from Apple. He's now their senior executive vice president of software uh, at GM. And so, you know, they've they've got some expertise and, and it turned out to to work pretty well. So um, that was one of the points that I was expecting to be like, guys, you didn't do good enough. And I can't say that, uh, which is um, impressive because I think that almost every car software thing isn't good enough. That includes the CarPlay and Android Autos of the world because um, my issue with them is that they're not they're not consistent a consistent user interface experience that gives you access to all of the vehicle functions. You're kind of siloed into a phone version of your your car software, and I would rather something like Tesla or Rivian, where you have just everything all in one, and you're not 
swapping between the native interface and some other separate interface, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, like for instance, Mercedes did such a bad job with CarPlay that you want to use their, their built-in software. Like for instance, CarPlay won't project up into the heads up display. You know, if you're Mm -hmm. navigating, that's a really nice thing to have. And, you know, they make it a small window, like Lucid makes the CarPlay just like a really small window, like, uh, you know, it's like you're running CarPlay in a, in a, you know, emulator mode or something. And maybe yep. that's the, maybe that's the way to do it. Maybe that's what you should do is like make CarPlay so bad that you don't want it. And it, you know, nobody will use it. Yeah. I mean, I mean as long as you, as long as you complement it with a good native interface that's usable and that you don't necessarily need to leave in order to get to stuff like text messages and things like that, you know, cause, right. uh, you know, my my Model 3 doesn't read the text messages on the screen, but I can just say, hey, Siri, read me those messages. And then you know, he just said that in front of your phone. <laughs> I, I went and tapped it just so that it wouldn't <laughs> so that it would shut up and not listen. And, uh, and everyone. <laughs> no, no, that's right. No, 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 Siri, at least like listen to your own voice. Yeah, and ho- just, hopefully you're just listening to this over on headphones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so so, you know, it's it's a. Uh, it's a good it's it's a pretty good interface and and they'll they're going to update it they've got help from google so i think that's all really good um the one big problem that i had from my perspective with the car was that um the pedal response was not what i like uh i like a much faster pedal response and they sort of built in a little bit of a a delay now for most people this is probably not going to be perceptible especially if you're coming from a uh ice vehicle but uh anyone who's been driving like a tesla for a long time or some other electric car that has a really uh punchy pedal response um would probably notice this and and it's weird because you hit the accelerator and then you feel like it's kind of you're waiting a little bit so you hit it a little bit more and then the whole thing jerks forward Mm. and i i just think that this actually leads to a jerkier throttle experience um when they add their own delay they're doing it because they think that by adding that delay, you're smoothing out the response a bit so that um, so that the car feels smoother. But to me, it has the opposite effect. Um, and I, it's, it's kind of a, a tough middle ground because you have to uh, decide whether you're, you're tuning the pedals to somebody who's used to an electric car or somebody who's used to an ice car. And uh, they seem to have erred a little bit on the side of the ice car, which I uh, think is not the right way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's also the argument that that you know is a little bit less hard on the uh, the mechanics of you know the, the electric motor and the and the I guess there's not really a drivetrain, but you know having a smooth uh, uh, acceleration rather than jerking it forward. Um, right, but, I, but so. I, I agree with you. I think what they do is they make modes. You make it like hardcore mode and exactly. chill mode. Yep. And I think that's exactly what they should do. But what they did is they, they did have modes, but the sport mode is still just not quick enough for me. And I did, I did, I could tell the difference between the two, but I think that the sport mode should be tuned a little more aggressively and the, um, the comfort or tour mode, I think is what they called it. Uh, could be as smooth as you want. Um, uh, that said, also, no matter what mode you're in, the AWD is pretty underpowered. Hmm. Um, 
the uh, the base model all wheel drive version. Um, you know, it's a big car. It's I think it's 288 horsepower or something like that, which is fine. But I I wasn't feeling like on the freeway when you know the nice thing about having an electric car is you can really just squirt your way into any uh, open slot that you want to be in. And uh, I didn't get that feeling. There was definitely a little more warm up required to get the car up to the speed I wanted it. But it's the base model, so you know that's fine. I'm sure the SSPAWD will be plenty quick enough. That said, maybe it's going to cost seventy grand, which is uh, a lot. Yeah, for a, a Blazer, uh, <laughs> I think that's that's a good take. Um, What's I, the starting price of a Blazer, not electric? I think it's in the thirties. Like yeah, I was going to say it's not a high-end car. I mean, Chevy is typically, you know, a value kind of brand. Yeah, it's thirty-five thousand. Uh, yeah, so like almost double the price for. Well, it's, I mean, for for the that's the starting price. So the the ID, if you compare it to the starting price, it's like twenty thousand dollar more right now with the fifty-six thousand price. But yeah, right. it's something that's difficult in the way that most people buy their cars. Like if you go to a dealer and now you're talking to a dealer, a GM dealer, you're negotiating with them, then you have you're not sold on EV, you're like considering it, and you have like a thirty five thousand dollars blazer, gasoline powered, and a fifty six thousand dollars blazer, and let's say you don't qualify for the tax credit or whatever, uh it's it gets it gets harder and harder to to make that decision. So that I'm I've mm-hmm. never been pro having a gasoline and an EV model because of that, especially with the dealer system. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Uh, now, to be fair, uh, this is very different from the gas blazer. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I specifically asked them how many parts are carried over between one and the other. And um, they wouldn't give an actual number. But I said, you know, what are we talking? Are we talking on the order of 10%? And they said, if that, no. you know, mm-hmm. uh, because it is, it's, uh, shorter, longer, I think wider, you know, so basically all the body panels are a little bit different. Um, <clears throat> the user interface is different. Everything in the powertrain is different. Uh, so there's, there's not a huge amount of carryover, but that said, they're still calling it blazer. Mm-hmm. So people are going to make the comparison. Um, I assume and- that maybe the, like how recent is the gasoline generation Blazer, maybe they're going to kill it. Maybe that's why it's going to die. So eventually they do want to go. I mean, that's what they said. They said they want to save their nameplates, their mm-hmm. brands, uh, because eventually they're going to be an all electric company. Um, well, that's by 35. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, they're they're going for a gentle transition uh, through the timelines or something. So I don't know if the Blazer will get another uh, gas um uh, iteration or not, I, I would imagine so, but, uh, yeah, I think they just, they just want, they know the blazer is like a popular nameplate that they wanted to, uh, to keep holding on to was the idea. Oh, the ice version has more space in it. Yes. In fact, it has a slightly higher roof. That's why, uh, because the EV, yeah, it's the main thing is the slightly higher roof. I imagine maybe the, the floor is slightly higher on the EV because of the um, uh, 
a battery pack, but yeah, because in the in the rear in the cargo space, but it's a difference of like one cubic foot or two cubic feet or something. So it's it's pretty minimal. And there's no oh. trunk here. There's no trunk. Uh, the trunk has a pretty cool uh, uh, auto open function where you can walk up to it with your key in your pocket, and if you just stand there for a couple of seconds, it opens up the the trunk for you, which is pretty neat. I can see that being annoying if you're just like hanging yeah, out. You 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 can turn it off. Okay. But I like it. I keep it on. Why not? Uh, yeah, you know, turn it off when you go to a car show or something. People are milling around the car. Volkswagen has this nice thing where you just kick the bumper and it opens. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. A lot of people have that foot thing, which people yeah. are pop, uh, are happy with. But, you know, they just wanted to go with a slightly different technology. I think it's cool. It it worked pretty well the the two times that we tried it, which was, you know, I didn't I didn't get a chance to, like, walk up to it with a bunch of boxes in my hands and see how it works. But right. But yeah, the interior, the interior looks cool. Pretty, sorry, go ahead, Sam. No, I was going to say the interior looks really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the red interior is aggressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, is, there is a red interior and it is a lot. Uh, if you want a flashy interior, get the red interior. It is extremely flash. Mm -hmm. uh, it is very red. <laughs> yeah, it, but on your, on your iPhone camera, it looks a little bit cheap it's so aggressive it's it's extra i i like bright colored cars mm -hmm. and it is a lot <laughs> it's but, very but this loud. looks like because like my problem with the bolt early on like now it, when it wasn't as cheap was that like it was like a four thirty five thousand dollar car and it didn't feel like a thirty five thousand dollar car inside like it felt like a like a cheap compact car inside mm -hmm. um like this is uh is looking pretty good because you compare it to the lyric for example it's still a gm vehicle and uh, uh like you you feel like there's still a bump in in luxury like in the, the luxuriousness of the interior yeah 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 i mean i've i haven't Sorry. sat a lot of time in the lyric but it the lyric does feel more um i mean it's more cadillac-y you know and this is now some people may not want a car that's like a cadillac you know um but I feel like with the price difference there, it's just you're going to see a lot of people who are who are upgrading from Blazer to Lyric for, you know, a difference of a grand or under a grand or something like that. OK. And OK, what's the what's the status in terms of like the, these these things are being delivered right now? Right? They are. They've just started. Um, I'm not sure, you know, how many of them they have out there, but uh, you can theoretically go find a. Find one at a dealership, take a test drive. Uh, we have some people in the comments of the review who have recently taken test drives. Uh, mm -hmm. So they are out and about. Uh, however, they are gradually uh, delivering cars um, of, of different option levels. So they're starting with the higher option ones. That's one of the reasons why 56000 is the base price right now, because uh, you have to get ones with the, it's the comfort and convenience package and the driver convenience package, something like that. Uh, so all of those options are like included. So like the you know, eventually they'll have a lower price one, but uh, you can get an LT, but the LT has a package included, oh, yeah. has the the upgraded packages. So you can get all that. But the one thing that's weird is they don't have Super Cruise available. <laughs> so yeah. for the first few months, they're doing all these highly optioned vehicles that don't have their their uh, you know 
driver assistance package. So it, it's just kind of a weird strategy. I think maybe a few after a few months, once things shake out and we have access to the whole um, uh, model line and all the trims, and we know what the pricing is on all of them, which we still don't know, uh, and all the options are available, I think then we'll have a little bit of a better picture of what's going on here. But um, right now, uh, that base price of 56 is pretty high. Mm-hmm. So, which uh, battery package did you try? You tried it with the one with the 102 or 85? Both of them. I did mm-hmm. a short drive on the first day in the RS rear wheel drive, and I did a longer drive on the second day in the LT all wheel drive. Uh, okay. Which is the LT all wheel drive is less powerful with 85 kilowatt hour battery pack. RS rear wheel drive had the 102. Uh, and wait. I'm so confused yeah, right now based on that that, that image. You cannot get an LT in 102 real right. uh, rear wheel drive. Uh, and, right. Yeah, the LT can, is only with the smaller get an battery. RS 102 all wheel drive. Right, but there the the SS all wheel drive will likely have the 102. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It does. If it's you um, based on that picture, yeah, yeah, that's a weird way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> it's so it's about, confusing. Yeah, uh, but, they're also and, they're using four different size motors. I think. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. It depending on the configuration, or maybe it was three different size motors, but depending on the configuration of the motors, it's like you guys, Jamie, a big motor in the front, a small motor in the back. It's weird. You know what it feels like? It feels like this is like the test bed for the Ultium platform. Even though there's been Cadillacs with the Ultium platform already, mm-hmm. like for it, it feels like the test bed for GM's uh, Ultium platform. Like they wanted to test a bunch of different configuration of motors with battery pack. But in terms of the estimated yeah. range that they give, uh, what, what did you think in terms of like it looks like it was getting close? Or So we didn't really have like a normal drive experience. It was a lot of uh, twisty roads and uh you know, hitting the brakes and, and going up and down mountains and stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, we were nowhere near the uh, range things that the range estimate that they got us. But um, in other tests that I've seen, other people have gotten close to or a little bit better than the estimated range. So um, I'm not going to say that the mm-hmm. estimated range was was bad. Uh, based on the test drive, because the test drive was not really the ideal, uh, you know, average day on the road. Okay, got it, got it. All right, if you guys have any question for Jamie regarding the Chevy Blazer EV, put them in the comment section uh, right now. We're going to have a one quick last news item to discuss, which is still a, an Altium GM news. Um, and then we're going to get into your comment section. So uh, if we have like a few minutes to get into uh, your question in before the end of the show. Uh, the last piece of news that we're going to discuss is the latest Cadillac EV. Sorry, the Vistic, Vistic EV uh, is going to be a new SUV that's going to sit between the Lyric and the uh, new Escalade IQ that was unveiled a few months ago. Uh, to be honest, there's not a lot of details. So GM announced the vehicle, unveiled this picture right here. Uh, looks like a full-size SUV. Then you have this picture right here, like very much in line with the latest uh, design um, accents that uh, 
uh, Cadillac is going for with their new EV vehicles. It's going to come as a 2026 model, so I assume some point in 2025, end of 2025 most likely, and no specs or anything like that. But the, again, they said it's going to be between the Lyric and Escalade, so you can expect that it's going to be, um, I don't know, like a sixty to seventy thousand dollar range SUV. Um, also big size, but not quite as big as a as an Escalade. Uh, that's that's about it for the Vestic. What do you guys think of the design? I like it. Yeah, I yeah. I don't like it as much as the Lyric. I think it looks a little um, old style. But then again, that's kind of a you know Cadillac is kind of looking for that that sort of a traditional uh, purchaser anyway. Hmm. Um, but I think the Lyric has a bit more punch to it. Looks a little more new, more uh, exciting. Yeah. Also, they're going too far with the IQ thing. They got to run out. They're going to run out of words with IQ at the end. <laughs> they can make up words, obviously. Yeah. Well, they, they are vist- is that is Vistic a word? No. Everything's <laughs> it's like Vista's word. Yeah. Optic. Lyric. Why isn't it es- Escalic? Escal. You know. IQ. Yeah. <laughs> and then. They just didn't even try with Escalade. Yeah, like... I, I don't know with all of this one, but and then they were like, "Oh, we're not giving up on the Escalade name, so you have to deal with it." Yeah. Escalade IQ. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. boy. I mean, it's their best seller, so yeah. It's not a bad name, but the, well, now I with the IQ, it's like a little bit worse of a name for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's jump into the comment section. All right, uh, we were talking about uh, the autopilot uh, update with the one. Uh, down button electric Brian when you set any other car for cruise control it doesn't alarm anything I, I guess that's a there's a, on bing, the... there's a there's a there's a I think there's a yeah there's a little bing and then you see the your speed being registered the speed that you're set at I guess that's the only indication that you guess is that is that what you're saying I think so I I should say anecdotally, um, my wife uh, was driving the uh, Model Y up to uh, Vermont last week, and we had done the update, and she usually just puts it in cruise control, but not, you know, not autopilot, and she put it down once, and it went into autopilot, she's like, what is going on here? Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's a problem if you're one of those. Yeah, I mean, it's just a setting. You go into the settings, and you change it, but, like, it's probably disconcerting for a lot of people who don't read, like, the know the updates happening. yeah 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 that's right uh it should have been the other way around like you should you should be able to set it at one and if people are used to two that make it right. the default yeah all right david bellamy france just announced that they're not giving incentives to china made evs do you think this will accelerate tesla's plans to produce highland in berlin we don't even know that they want to produce highland in berlin like we, the Tesla has not confirmed a second EV program in Berlin. Uh, Elon sort of said apparently to employees in a meeting last one that they're going to produce the 25,000, the Model 2, 25,000 or whatever it's called, and the new lower cost Tesla. But that's it. So don't even know. Um, however, I yeah, probably. Uh, like it makes sense. You don't want to leave money on the table. So it, it could make sense that you try to go after those subsidies. And I, what, especially what I think is, I think France is just one of, of several that are going to do the same thing because the U.S. has done it now. Uh, France is doing it. I think a lot more are going to do that than uh, um, to, to try not to 
get that that China just walk away with the entire AV market, which <laughs> might be on their way to do. Right. All right. Uh, if the Model 3 is still built in the U.S., it should get half. Yes, the battery isn't made from enough good sources, so it won't get all. If it's losing all, are only Highlands made in China coming? That, that It is a weird question. Uh, I need to go back and watch the rules because uh, I think you might be right. I think you're... I think uh, you should still get half. Go ahead, Jimmy. So there's if it's built in the U.S., it has to be final assembled in the U.S. in order to get any of the credit. Yeah. But then the 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 credit is split into two different categories. There's battery components and then critical minerals. And then battery components need to be assembled in the U.S., I think. And then critical minerals need to be... Um, either extracted or processed in the u.s or in any free trade partner um and then there's specific like carve outs that that go into place in 2024 uh and this is the new thing that changed it in 2024 there's a specific carve out that says that any um like I forget the the term, but it's like any basically national enemy, any any entity that the U.S. has described as as bad. Uh, if there's a, anything from there in the battery, then they get uh, disqualified. Completely, and I think that's the reason. Okay, yeah, okay. It, so and I, maybe it's disqualified completely, or maybe it's disqualified from one of the two. The battery component of the well, that's what we need to confirm because that would explain yeah. maybe the, the situation here. But at the same time, yeah. I, don't, I don't see Tesla not like why would this they have a huge production line from all trees in the US right now? Why would they stop that just to get China made Tesla vehicle, which are going to be harder <laughs> to sell in the US just for perception, too? So, yeah, yeah, yeah they definitely we'll... have uh have made it as uh as weird as possible. <laughs> the, yeah. The rules. All right. With the loss of the tax credit, it's an opportunity to bring the Highland in with differently sourced batteries. Uh, I don't know. But what source? Like you, 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 to me, to make the base model three, you need it to be LFP to, to be the performance and the price that you're looking at. And there's just no LFP made in the U S right. Well, or at least not in, in volume needed to achieve that. It's coming. No, it's coming. Yeah, I would um, love to see more LFP in the U.S. Yeah, here in Quebec, we have a factory here that uh, uh, was starting to make some. Then the company went under, and they were just bought by another bigger company. I think uh, Nano One. I think Nano One. They bought it, mm -hmm. and they just invested a bunch of money to make volume production of LFP in Quebec. So that's going to be good. and that counts as North America too. So it does for the credit. Even <laughs> if we speak like Europeans, <laughs> it's America's hat. <laughs> All right, uh, David Bellamy, any information about the timing of Model Y refresh? So we, we get haven't that one gotten every the, week. Yeah, no, we haven't <laughs> yeah. got the Model 3 here yet, but we're already yeah, on the Yeah, let's see about the timing on the, the Model 3 island coming to the U.S. That's, Maybe they do both a, at the same time. Yeah, I asked the Grok surprise. about it, and Grok says that it's coming it, It's coming in the uh, first quarter of 2020. Highland is. Yeah, the island is, not the Model Y. And I think Grok knows more about Tesla than... Then we know like this. I think I think it's plugged into the source directly. Like, it, yeah, it maybe uh, Elon has fed it internal Tesla documents. Yeah, it reads like Elon's emails or something. Oh god. 
All right, Greg Poland, question. Does the Founders Cybertruck all-wheel drive qualify for the $7,500 tax credit? I don't think so. That's expensive, right? So yeah, do all the options at... count towards the tax credit? So the way but that isn't... you frame the foundation, the found... I think it's foundation series and not founder series. Um, right. They, they, like, it's a package. Like You buy the whole car for that price. There's no option and like that. And so the starting price of the all-wheel drive is a hundred thousand dollars so no it doesn't qualify and even that like what's the point anyway like if you can afford a hundred thousand dollar car uh i cannot be surprised that she uh, works with uh you'd be eligible for the, the tax credit anyway so i don't think that's a big market there all right how was the heads up display on the blazer jamie um it was pretty good but it suffered from the same issue that every heads-up display except for the Mercedes EQS suffers from, which is that if you're wearing polarized sunglasses while you're driving, which I do, uh, you can't see it. Interesting. Um, this one I could see a little bit better than most, um, but basically when your head is tilted straight up, the thing disappears, and if you tilt your head to the side just a little bit, it shows up. So if you want to drive like this with your head sideways, you can see it. Can you get uh, polarized sunglasses that are diagonal or something? No, I mean, that's just the, the you polarize them that way. So that reflections from, uh, from, you know, like, like water and, you know, right. things that are normally going to reflect, get polarized out when your head is mm -hmm. in the direction that it's supposed to be in, which is, of course, the difficulty is when your head is in that direction, it's also working to polarize, you know, the reflection off of the screen, the, um, the windshield in front of you. Mm -hmm. uh, so this one actually worked kind of okay when my head was like, I could kind of just ghost see it when my head was straight up and down. So it was a little bit better than most, but uh, Mercedes EQS works completely no matter which direction your head is when you have polarized sunglasses on. So it's like, if they can figure it out, please everybody else figure it out. Uh, it's got to be doable. It is not physically impossible because I've seen it happen. You know, take the screen, turn it 90 degrees or something like that, <laughs> or add some etching on the windshield, whatever you need to do, just make it work because um, uh, this one didn't. All right. Otherwise, that... the the quality of the display was nice. It wasn't as nice as the Mercedes EQS in terms of what options or what stuff it shows you, but uh, it shows you a good amount of stuff. Uh, navigation, pretty intuitive. Uh, yes, actually, the navigation, so it goes through Google, and the navigation will route you through EV chargers, which a lot of nav systems don't do. Um, you know, so we're seeing more and more of them now that do, but um, if you say, you know, take me to Portland or whatever, uh, the car will tell you, all right, you're going to charge at, you know, Harris Ranch, you're going to charge at Sacramento for 45 minutes, you're going to charge here and there, and so on and so forth. Um which is really nice uh, for people who don't want to have to think of their own charging. It's just really cool to be able to say that and just have the car suggest where you charge and how long. Yeah. All right. Question. How do you rate the mass media coverage of EV adoption? I see recent headlines with negative slants, but then read the best-selling car worldwide is an EV. I mean, there's a lot of nuance in that. Um, I don't know. I think mass media is kind of all over the place. I would say like, you know, we, we spend all day thinking about this stuff. Mass media, typically they, they're on the fringes. They have to cover so many more things that they don't really uh, dive deep. They, they kind of don't see the patterns and they don't see the BS. I don't know. What do you think? 
Yeah, I, I mean, got a lot to say about this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they see like a headline. Someone writes it, or like EV sales are going bad, or they see they see these dealerships sending them uh, a press release right. about not wanting to sell EVs, or EVs are not selling, and they just are right, taking the opportunity. Like we're gonna get a few clicks out of this. I don't like you said. Said I don't think they are like diving deep into the subject and trying to. I mean, some of them are, to be honest. Like I've seen some articles from mainstream media or corporate media or whatever you want to call them that uh i've debunked the, this idea too so i don't think it's like everyone's a culprit here but yeah in general i think bike angelis is a uh, is correct like i think there's a a negative view of the oh was that was that something else yeah no uh yeah so i don't i don't obviously i don't think much about it <laughs> I, don't, I don't read corporate media that much these days but yeah what do you think jamie yeah, so I think there has been a bit of a backlash uh, because in October you were seeing all these headlines about EV sales being down, which they never were, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. They're up. Just the contention was that they would be up by less than people thought mm-hmm. they would be up. Uh, and then in like November and then this month, you're seeing a lot of people who are actually looking at the numbers and they're like, wait a minute, this is not, they're not down. They're still rising at the same rate that they were rising anyway. Um, and if you look at all the numbers, we're at about a 50% increase, uh, year over year, uh, which has been the case for quite a while. So I think EV sales are growing at about the same rate as expected. I think anyone who's cutting production plans is probably doing the wrong thing. Uh, and, um, there have been some, uh, Arguments made. Uh, David Reichmuth of the Union of Concerned Scientists wrote an article about how he thinks, uh, well, part of the article was uh, that he thinks part of the reason for this talk about a slowdown is because they're working on new EPA regulations for uh, how many uh, electric cars we're going to be selling into the future. And if manufacturers all make it seem like uh, electric cars aren't taking off, they think they can possibly... Uh, influence the EPA regulations to being a little bit more um, lenient. Uh, that's you know a bit of a conspiracy theory, but I think there's but something it's there. based on history because they did exactly yeah. that <laughs> in the early two thousand, late late nineties, yes. early two thousand in California, and with the EPA exactly. too. So, and if Trump exactly. gets elected, there's going to be some like major backtracking. Yeah, yeah. we know. So this. so there's that, but then the other thing is. Uh, there are some headwinds right now. Uh, the Nax transition, you know, a lot of people are maybe thinking, ah, I can wait a year and mm-hmm. get a car with Nax instead of a car with uh, J1772. Um, and interest rates, people might be waiting out, but mm-hmm. interest rates are affecting the whole auto industry too. You know, people talk about EVs uh, gathering up on dealer lots, but if you look at a dealer lot, they're also full of gas cars right now because everyone's yeah. kind of slowing down a bit. So. I don't think there's that many specific EV issues right now. All right. Kind of on that same subject, uh, based on your experience, Jamie, how serious are all in? Does GM seem on EVs? You know, talking to everyone there at the event was like, you know, people, people, people were interested in, you know, in GM, they were all, you know, pushing them. But at the end of the day, uh, 3%, 4% of their current sales are electric and they've been talking about being all in for how many years now? And the average uh, U.S. electric sales is like 9% or something this quarter. 
uh, or or 8% last quarter. So they're, they're bringing down the average, you know? So I don't know how somebody, how a company can say they're all in when they're bringing down the average. If they were all in, they would be bringing up the average. And there are a number of country companies other than Tesla that are bringing up the average, uh, BMW, Mercedes, Volvo are all selling more than, uh, the average. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really hard because I know they're all working hard on these cars and they're making pretty good cars. The bolt is fantastic. Um, the was, blazer was is fantastic. was yeah. fantastic. <laughs> uh, and, but you know, the fact that the bolt was fantastic, was an amazing car seven years ago and went through an entire seven year lifespan being an amazing car. Like that means that they did get a start mm. at some point. It's just that, you know, we got to get there. We got to, we need more cars. We need them out now. They're finally getting cars out. Hopefully we'll see more, uh, out of them and we'll see them pushing them harder, but then you got to get the dealers on board and everything. And that's a really hard conversation that I was talking to them all about at the event. Mm -hmm. Um, And GM is, is having trouble with that. Uh, But I will tell you that one engineer, while I was there, uh, I was talking to the engineer and saying, I don't know how seriously you guys are taking it. And he was like, if you saw how hard Mary whips us every day, to work on electric car stuff, mm. you would think otherwise. So he feels like he's being pushed mm. from the top. Uh, and that was... I, I like that engineer to spend a week with working with Elon C- CPU. Oh, yeah, yeah. E- okay, e- sure. Yeah, I think his perception of what uh, whipping an employee sounds like. Sure, <laughs> yeah, might, yeah, yeah. Uh, Elon Musk. The, or, or... the literal meaning might be a little bit... <laughs> yeah, 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 it's no longer, it's no longer a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we're getting pretty late. We'll we'll do one more question uh, from Seattle, Vienna. Uh, will the Cybertruck ever be sold outside the U.S. and outside of North America? Outside the U.S., yes, it's going to most likely be to Canada because we basically copy the the U- U.S. road regulation. Uh, so it's gonna it's gonna work in Canada. In Europe, though, it doesn't sound like it right now. It sounds like it would be would need some major uh, redesigning to 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 be legal on on European roads. China probably. China's a free for all. They don't, they don't, they're not big on, on on trucks though, so I don't know if it would make it there. But let's see if they find space in Shanghai to make it. I'm sure they they could. But yeah, yeah I'm sure some rich Australian guy will get a one cent over there. Uh, Australia sure. too. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm not as familiar with the rules in Australia, but they do love their pickup trucks oh, and their but rugged it's, ones. It's right hand drive though. Oh, right? that's true. Yeah. So they they might have trouble with that. They're gonna have that arm extender that Tesla sells. But it's steered by wire, so it's easier to make oh, yeah. a, a okay. right-hand drive with it. So yeah. Oh, Mitchell says that you skipped the caption, so we should oh. we go back. Ultium is Ultium revolutionary, or is it just marketing? I no. think it's kind of just marketing. It's just it's just a new, different yeah. platform. It's the same as the uh, eGMP platform or whatever right. else. It's just you know this is how we've organized our batteries. I don't think it's a it's a great step forward in battery technology. It's just, it's better tech than the ones they were using before. Yeah. And they it's want a, to a lot of modularity reusing stuff, yeah. but that's kind of like everybody else. Yeah. yeah. All, All right. right. Well, that's it, everyone, for this week's episode of the Electric Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Wolfbox for sponsoring this week's episode. Uh, if you do enjoy the show, if you can give us a thumbs up, a like, a subscribe, 
all it really is on the app you're watching right now because we're live everywhere. Uh, you can do it. Helps us show more than you think. And it takes a second to do, and it's free to do. If you're listening on your podcast app right now, you can give us a five star review on the app. That helps us show a ton too, uh, and we appreciate every single one of you that does it. Uh, same place, same week, same place, same time next week. Bye bye. Woo.